Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we do. Jeff Ludington, pastor at Generations Church, and I have today a really good friend of mine, and he is also a pastor here at Generations Church, Vinny Henke. Hey, Jeff, good morning, man. Appreciate you having me on the first episode of Generations Church Podcast. Ooh. I was excited when I heard you were getting a podcast. I feel like Oprah. Yeah. You get a podcast, and you get a podcast. <laughs> now we have a podcast together. I'm looking forward to it. Is there a new car under my seat? There's not a new car okay. under your seat. That'd be All nice. right. Uh, but I know today we're going to be looking at faith and culture, and there's a couple of questions we want to try to answer as we work our way through some of the subjects through these episodes. Uh, one is how our faith intersects with the culture we live in. And two is how our faith should cause us to live inside that culture. How, how are we different because we're Christians as we interact with the culture? And specifically today, we want to look at the topic of divisions or how to get along with people you hate. Right, right. So I, uh, there, when I look at social media, and, and let me just limit the conversation. When I look at Christians on social media, now the outside world, man, I, if you're a Buddhist or an atheist, maybe you're held to a different set of standards. But as I look at Christians on social media, what I see is massive division. There's folks that consider themselves conservative. There's folks that consider themselves progressive, all under the banner of Jesus. And what I see is a massive division that is presented to the rest of the world really uh, making Jesus look like uh, we don't have it together for sure. Absolutely. Particularly, I mean, we, it's easy to look at it, our social media feed and find the divisions, right, just in Absolutely. culture. But when those divisions creep into the body of Christ, you know, it just feels like hmm. we've got no testimony to the outside world if we can't behave and get along and, and love those we disagree with, even in the context of inside the church. Did Jesus struggle with any of that? Like, if, is that just a, a Facebook problem right. that we've created? Or is there any connection to his ministry that you can right. think of? Right, we invented this in the, in the 21st century, right? I th yeah, I th that's what I'm asking. So when we back up 2,000 years, um, I think of the words Jesus said in Matthew 16 where he says, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? So what Jesus is saying is that leaven is an image of sin, and so he's saying, watch, beware of, be cautious of the, the sin of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, now who are those guys? So we kind of understand right. why they might be a symbol of division that Jesus interacted with? If you back up 2,000 years to Jewish culture at that point, what you get is a very conservative right in the Pharisees. They were the rule keepers. They were the, we do all the right things and don't do all the wrong things, right? And then there were the Sadducees. And, and on the left, what you had was a very progressive Jew. They had eliminated the vast majority of scriptures that they adhered to. They only had the five books of Moses, and they were so similar to the culture, that, the non-Jewish culture that they lived in, that they were barely distinguishable as Jews. Okay, so you've got one group super conservative, one group kind of progressive, super liberal, man, it feels like Jesus had similar problems that we've got today. Yeah, this is Republican the the and Democrat, yeah, right? So red hats and kind of rainbow coalition. Absolutely, right, right, right. absolutely. So is there a particular area that Jesus addressed this kind of idea? I mean, you mentioned avoiding the leaven or, or kind of the influence and, and maybe the failure of both right and left. How would you talk about or where, where would you look to Jesus' teaching in order to give us a, a position or a posture where we could interact with this? Yeah, I, again, if, if we're going to paint with broad strokes, yeah. right? This is the red hat wearing, made Jerusalem great again. This is yeah, one gotcha. side, that's the Pharisees, yeah. right? And then broad stroke statement, the very liberal wing over here. Jesus comes, and I think it's really important to note that we're not looking to find a middle ground between right and left. 
In fact, what Jesus does, and, and I think a great place to look, is the Beatitudes, or when Jesus says, hey, blessed are you if you do this. I think there's some great things because in one voice, or in one verse, he will say, blessed are you if you do this, and it fits really well in the camp if you're conservative. But in the very next verse, he'll say something that fits really well if you're in the camp of the liberal or the progressive. But he's not saying find a way to moderate both, but, but he's saying I want, you to do, I want you to do both all the way. That feels really like different than kind of how we talk about division. Because right. typically, even with those that I disagree with, I think if I could just convince them of my position, sure. we'll get along and the world will be a better place. Like if I could just, let's say, pull you to the right, or, mm -hmm. you, you know, or you would imagine if you pull me to the left, then the world gets better. But that's right. not the solution Jesus has. That is not the solution Jesus has. And so when I, as a teaching pastor, which you are too, when I teach, I really, really do my best effort to make sure that if you're sitting here and you're on one side or the other, either no matter where you're sitting, you're challenged by the words of Jesus. Because I don't think either side, I don't think Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or progressives or Tea Party or you know anything else, right? Yeah. Antifa, anybody else. I don't think anyone wholly represents Jesus. And so when we look at things like the Beatitudes, I mean, it says this, like, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus really... When you know you have a spiritual need, you get to begin to focus on the kingdom of heaven. But as you fast forward a little bit, he talks about meekness, which I don't see on either side of the aisle, right? right? Mm. And then he gets into this, and this is, I think this is a great place to camp for today. Matthew 5, verses 6 and 7, the first verse 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, if you're a conservative Christian, and you hear Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're like, that is where I right, live. That's, that's meat and potatoes, right? That's, that's like, that's my home base. Right. This is family values. This is pro-life, like the righteousness. I want to not sin, right? Yeah. And so a lot of that becomes activity or political voting or whatever it is, right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. By implication, if that's you, you feel like, yes, that's me, you mean... The other side doesn't think that way. Yeah, that's a great point. Fair enough? It, no, ab absolutely, because my path for righteousness is self-directed then. At that right, because right? clearly you voted for the wrong candidate. That's right. Right? Yeah. Therefore, you can't be as righteous as me. Right. If you, yeah, if you don't agree with me, you're obviously not righteous, not pursuing the righteous path. Right. Hmm. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. So what you hear is, okay, this fits in my camp. But right. next verse, verse 7 says this. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, a lot of times, if you're on the left, you view yourselves as the one who is loving, as merciful, the one who cares for the marginalized. And you look at the folks on the right, and you're like, they don't want immigrants. They don't want the LGBT community. They don't want this. They don't want that. And, and I'm, I am... I am stereotyping both sides for a point. Yeah, sure. We talk about broad brushes. Right. But if you're on the left, that is kind of what you say about the right. And if you're on the right, what you're saying is you don't care about what God sees as righteous. And so we have these two things, and they're pitted against each other. I'm right, you're wrong, no matter where you sit, right? right. Jesus comes, and in some of his most famous words, he says two things. One that hits squarely on one side today, and one that hits squarely on the other. Yet he doesn't say, find a way to balance 
righteousness and mercy, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, right? Seek after, drive towards righteousness. And blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy from him. Hmm. So imagine you're caught one side or the other. One of those verses should hit you differently. Maybe one encourages you, or maybe you see the flaws in your game. But one of those should, at minimum, should challenge you. It should convict you inside. So how do we, how do we really turn that into kind of a demonstration of overcoming division? Like if I'm the righteous guy and I'm, man, my life's pursuit is pursuing righteousness and I, and I look down upon those who fail at achieving my standard or my bar of righteousness, how do I, how do I move in that direction where I become less divisive, less finger pointing, less, mm. um, yeah. less Facebooky, less ugly, man? Right. Yeah, there's, a, there's two things. In fact, there are verses that come before that. i got to scroll up. But verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Right now, when I look at the political landscape, when I look at any social media post from any position, I don't see a lot of meekness or humility. Right? So in Christ, again, man, I can't, I can't say, hey, atheist, or hey, Buddhist, or hey, whatever, you got to do this because the Bible says so, because they don't necessarily believe in the Bible I believe in. And right. so, but what I can say to the Christian is, we're sitting here in the Gospels. That's like the most indisputable parts for any Christian, no matter what your view of Scripture is. Like, we're sitting here in the most famous words of Jesus, the most often quoted sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and it leads with, blessed are the meek. Like, can we begin to become humble and loving, right? No matter where we are, no matter how fundamentally we disagree with the person next to us, can we approach this with some humility? Yeah, there's an old definition for meekness that I've always carried with me. It's that power under control. Or that um, uh, you know authority subjugated, or uh, um, not an abuse of that power or right. control. It's an it's an honest and humble estimation of the influence that you have, and not using it for uh, ill or for self interest or self self gain. So in this context, when we're talking about division, really the call of meekness and is this to not assert a positional power of control over the other, mm. right? To lift yeah. yourself up over the opposing view and, and right. with a measurement. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, man, our political divide right now, it's about power, right? Oh, it it totally. is totally about power. And yeah. that hits everyone. It's not like Christians are not trying to get power. Of course they are, right. right? Like every side in this conversation is trying to get power. Which seems to fly in the face then of verse 5. Oh, I don't right. see how they even words, work together. Yeah, right? Meekness and humility. Right? Humility, meekness, love one another. These are themes that are recurring, 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 and, and all throughout Scripture and definitely in Jesus' teachings. Mm-hmm. And I just, I would say, if you look at social media, if you look at, you know, Twitter or Facebook feeds, man, and you just look at the things Christians say, I don't see humility. I don't see kindness. I don't see a loving spirit towards those they, they disagree with, right? Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by your love, right? Your love for one yeah. another, by how we treat other people. So maybe just, I mean, just as a super helpful, silly application, right? Let's just go WWJP. What would Jesus post? Is that my fix? <laughs> is that my answer? Uh, yeah, that would be a great answer for you. But you like <laughs> alliteration and lists and fill in the blanks. I I'm do. one of those rebellious people that would never do that. But yeah, That's it's true. good. I do like it's all good. That stuff, I like right? it. I won't make bracelets. Right, okay. Or t shirts. Well, if they're going to sell a lot, I say we do it. <laughs> I might be opposed, but if it makes a lot of money, I'm in. Right, venture all right. capitalism okay. and church planting. That's buddy. it. That could, that could support a lot of ministry. That's so if it true. works, right? Yeah. 
So Jesus goes on in verse 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons. And this could be read as sons, children, daughters, anything, yeah. right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. I, uh, I live, we live in Southern California. Uh, I have either pastored in Long Beach or lived adjacent to Long Beach for most of the last 15 years of pastoring multiple churches, pastoring in Huntington, pastoring in Long Beach. Of course, the Stenton La High Desert wasn't yeah. as close. Uh, but we had, in fact, when we were together at Oasis, man, we constantly had folks from the LGBT community mm-hmm. in the church, right? Yeah. Pastoring in Long Beach, we were saturated with that culture. Huntington Beach is just outside of that, in between Long Beach and Laguna Beach, big LGBT communities. And so oftentimes I would see someone come in who is visibly a part of that community. The way they dress, the way they act, the way they speak, they're a part of that community. And they walk in a church that is traditionally or typically center-right, fairly conservative, right? And I, and I would just watch. One of the reasons I wrote a book was just about the frustration of people really broken, hurting, wanting answers, and the terrible answers I think churches were giving them. Hmm. And so when I see folks like this come in, or, or maybe you're in a young church, then you're wearing shorts and flip-flops, and somebody comes in who's very conservative, wearing a suit, and they don't like that you wear a baseball hat in church. So it doesn't matter which, which scenario right. you're painting. But what broke my heart is watching somebody from the LGBT community walk into a church and not be loved. Now, I, you don't have to agree with them. You don't even have to believe that their lifestyle is glorifying to God. I don't. I, I'm, I'm very conservative on the views of, of gender and marriage and sexuality. But one thing you and I, we've pastored together now in multiple churches. One thing we've always had is everybody who walks through the door and we've had gang members and right. cops sit next to each other in church. Yep. We've had conservative folks in a suit sit next to somebody super liberal and, and right. not dressed up, right? We have always been able to create a culture where everybody can walk through the door, but everyone who walks through the door is loved and called to change. Right. We talked about a couple of things, right, like the, that apply to that. Like the, we've used the illustration that the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Mm, right all yeah. who come to it are on equal footing and equal in need if we go back to yeah. jesus words of being poor in spirit all right who are going to come to the cross are going to recognize their need the church is a funny place because it's not like any other institution within the context of culture right mm-hmm. you look at anything else the way people gather together it's affinity based right right i get together with people who like the same stuff the way that i do uh they look the way that i do they dress the way that i do the sound they sound the way that i do um, whether it's uh, sports teams or uh, geographical locations or e- even ethnicities and races, right. we divide along those lines with people that look like us, except for the church. Like what? the church has people from all different yeah. walks of life. How do we get there? How, why do we look like that, you think? And what is it that, that makes the church so different that really might even provide us an opportunity to speak into overcoming divisions? Right. When you get you know, the uh, cops sit next to the biker or right. the gang member or the guy just out on parole looking right. for, you know, to restart his life. How do we, how do we, why are we like that? Yeah, uh, so here's what I've found. In the church, we make minor things major things and we miss the major things sometimes, totally. right? So in the church, I would fundamentally disagree. I agree with what you just said, but I would fundamentally disagree in a sense because we have the largest thing in common when we get to church. We have yeah. Jesus. Like right. we have Jesus in common. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Not our skin color, not our political party, not anything, but Jesus. We have Jesus in the column. That's a big E on the I chart, right? right? Like, that's the most important thing. 
but we will make the other things more important. Oh, well, yeah, of course we're Christians, but you're a Republican and I'm such and such or whatever, right? Yep. And so we'll let that divide us where Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Jesus calls us to be peacemakers in a divided world. We're to overcome the division in the world by bringing civility and grace in divided places. Hmm. We see this in other areas like this isn't impossible. It's not crazy. Can you well, put back to those two things? Yeah. Civility and grace. I think those are two two lost things, right? Sure. So can you maybe develop those a little more? Like, what, Can you talk about yeah. civility? What do you mean by that? So when I'm speaking to someone, let's just use, use my background as an example. I come to faith from a very racial background, mm-hmm. right? A very racist background from crime, drugs, uh, I, you know, all those things. Violent. The, the whole thing, right? That's yeah. my background. When I... When I meet somebody who is, again, we'll take someone, you know, somebody who walks in the door who is gay or lesbian or something that is very different than me, right? I see, just like you said, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. Yeah. I see my sins as equal to their sins. I know someone out there is going to be like, oh, no, the Bible says this. But let me, trust me. My sins were worse, right? Hmm. Their sins and my sins, I see us as equal at the foot of the cross, I see Jesus as calling me to be transformed, changed, radically transformed. But he radically loved me so he could radically transform me. So I want to, as a representative of Jesus, radically love people and call them to that same radical transformation, right? I didn't need to be someone from the LGBT community. I had every other sin to worry about. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I level the playing field, now we can just talk about Jesus. I'm not right. isolating you for your sin right. or your lack of this or that. And so civility, right? Grace, like I come as a person forgiven of much. Hmm. Why would I not say Jesus wants to forgive them of much? Right. Right? Yeah. So as you interact with those people that are different, you know, when you don't have to demonize those who are different from you. Right. right? Because of, yeah. uh, again, we come back to Jesus' words of meekness and humility and, hmm. and really kind of an, uh, an accurate understanding of self. Yeah. Which is really what you just—I mean—you gave us you, because you have an accurate understanding of self in terms of your spiritual need. Right. You can meet others where they are at in their spiritual need. You know, and I've said this to people that are hyper political, um, especially folks that that think politically like I do, which is fairly conservative. And I've just said, listen, look at the at the way you speak. You're opposed to this agenda over here, and and you hammer them. Let me just suggest this: What if we approached them and tried to befriend them? Couldn't we maybe solve this problem? right? Yeah. A little civility, a little grace. We all meet at the cross and there we are. Like we yeah. can, we can overcome the political divide if we begin to focus on the main thing, which is Jesus. And that doesn't mean compromise what we believe or how we live, but focus on, like you said, like we just said earlier, civility and grace. Mm-hmm. Jesus winds all this up after this, these, these, the, the Beatitudes, and he calls us to be salt and light. And I, I think just to, to button this all up, yeah. I think of a city on a hill, as he explains, and I just think of this light that's a beacon of hope, right? We live near the ocean, and, and if you're a, a, a ship lost at sea, and you're just, just getting tossed and hammered and thrown around, and all of a sudden, in the distance, you can see a lighthouse, yeah. hope, yeah. right? That we should be those people that are light. We should be that provision of hope to anyone who thinks like us, doesn't think like us, lives like us, doesn't live like us. But we should be a people of hope, not a people of division. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you, Jeff, letting me be here for the Thank first you. episode of Generations Church yeah. Podcast. And if you're out there on social media or listening or listening somewhere, be civil to someone you disagree with. Be gracious to those you're divided with. 
Let's see if Jesus can allow us to bring more light and more salt so the world is divided. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family.church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Jin Family Church.